My message to Biden. No way, Jose. The following footage proves beyond any doubt that the tanks intentionally set the house on fire. It proves that the Branch Davidians were murdered. You can see that this tank has a gas jet on the front that shoots fire. You can also see the fire quite plainly. The tank goes into the house twice, and each time as it backs out, the fire at the gas jets is plainly visible. We must all do more to recognize and look for the early warning signals that deeply troubled young people send. Hey guys, Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. Find us on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major auto pictures, and Rumble as well. Today we're doing a solo episode. Uh, covering the J tunnels, uh, I think you guys could probably infer based on this title. This will not be available on YouTube, so make sure to catch that on Rumble and all the audio podcasts. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, uh, oh, I do want to remind you guys how this normally works. This has been a bit, bit of a clusterfuck of a week for me. This week, uh, those who pay attention to me online or Tower Gang or whatever may know, I had uh, two. Two kitties this week who uh, had litters, so and they happened to both go in labor at the same time, and then I had to bottle feed some of them. So I had a whirlwind of a of a week. So and when, when it comes into the tube feeding, that that uh that becomes or bottle feeding comes pretty intensive. You got to do it like every other hour or so because uh, kittens when they're born are pretty friggin' fragile, so it doesn't take much for them to go downhill so if you don't get on it right ahead they can uh they can bite the bullet pretty quickly but normally how this works this week's been a little bit just kind of i squeeze them in whenever i could i did a live stream earlier in the week and now i'm doing this solo episode but normally how this works these are live streams uh and i give them out early uh, my uh, patrons get have access to that live stream early and they get about a week or so early this week because of you know with all my circumstances there weren't live streams uh, the first one i guess one was this one isn't uh, but, uh, this is still going to go out early to my patrons. This will probably go out, I don't know, like this coming Thursday, uh, which will be, I think what's like the first or something like that. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to get that early stuff and, and usually the live streams, since I'm nine times out of 10 or even more than that, you get those early live streams and that's patreon.com. Just no way Jose 2020, the lowest level is two bucks. That gives you those early live streams or just early access to the episodes in general. 
Uh, and there's differing levels. The highest level is my sponsors. I'll read them off every episode. I have Toad. It's my co-host on Tower Gang. You follow him at Tower Gang Toad. Then I have at Abrogate D's. Then Kevin B. Clark, a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area. Then at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K. Then at underscore Infinite Zeal. Then I also have Jacob Daniel, the Biblical Anarchy podcast. You follow him at Biblical Anarchy. They have Tim Tuttle at Jolly on Klebold. Then at Stinky Sock 420, he's a singer of the band Bender, which is like kind of like a hardcore metalcore type band. Pretty dope stuff. Definitely go check that out. And I do have like an actual legitimate sponsor that's uh, going to hear start here soon. Technically, I don't think I'm under that period yet, although I guess it depends on how you look at it because I do stagger these. So, but I do want to let you guys get a little bit of a heads up because one of the perks is going to be. Uh, that you get a, there's going to be like a monthly giveaway where you get some coffee. So it's a Fox and Sons, and yeah, you can use Jose to receive 15% off your order 30 or more. And the orders are, uh, you know, anything over $37.99 ships free. That's www.foxandsons.com. I don't consider that a full-on ad read, just so you guys know. That's not what it might be given, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. So maybe you guys, if you want to, you know, get in on the Patreon to get those early, uh, that's going to be the $5 level or higher for the Patreon. So that's not going to apply for the $2 guys. But anyone $5 or higher, you'll be entered into the monthly giveaway for this. So I forget if it was one or two bags, but either way, you know, possibility to get free stuff. So if you want to do that, if you want to support my work, uh, yeah, that'd be very much appreciated. Give you a little bit more incentive to do so, trying to get to a point where I can do more with the show, uh, maybe dial back on some uh, real life stuff. Because uh, the less I have to worry about putting food on the table for my family, the more energy I'm able to put into this. So, man, that's up to you guys. If you don't want to, that's fine. And if you do want to support, but you can't really do it monetarily, you can share uh, share on the show, clips, whatever. But as I said, we're doing the uh, J-Tunnels today. Uh, let's start off with what exactly happened. For those who didn't really pay attention to the, the J-Tunnels, I'll just call them J-Tunnels just because I find it funnier. But let's get into it. I'm going to bring up an article and we'll just kind of skim through this together uh, and you'll kind of get an idea of what's going on here. Clash over secret. This is from Curbed. Clash over secret tunnel under a Brooklyn synagogue, causing a huge fight in Shabbat. So here's some of the photos. This may ring a bell for some of you guys. This was kind of all the rage. I don't know what, like a week or two ago on Twitter, uh, and I'm sure elsewhere as well. Uh, here you go. Secret tunnel beneath 770 Eastern Parkway, the Crown Heights headquarters of the Chabad Lubavitch movement, which is a sect of. Uh, this is a sect of Judaism. I guess Chabad is more specifically a sect of Hasidism. Hasid? Hasidism? I don't even know how the hell you pronounce that correctly. Uh, and we'll get more into specifics of the religious, you know, kind of the, you know, the different sects that it comes from in a little bit. But, you know, this is kind of, yep, uh, but the news of a secret tunnel is kind of stunning its own, but things took a chaotic turn on Monday when a cement truck called in by Chabad leadership arrived to fill it and the tunnel architects, a small group of Lubavitchers, uh, attempted to stop them by breaking through a wall of the synagogue and occupying the hole. So they're kind of framing this as kind of a, uh, almost like a divide between, uh, within this uh, synagogue. They're, and we'll, once again, we'll get more into this because there is kind of, I guess, a big divide within the Chabad movement. Uh, but yes, so that's how it is portrayed. I'm not sure how much I necessarily buy that. I mean, I'm, or not buy, I'm definitely not asserting that to be the case, but that's what we're being told, at least so far. Um, yes, the standoff ended when police hauled the men out. Nine arrests were made. Um, 
and then the synagogue was shut down. Uh, now there is a huge fight happening between the people who dug the secret tunnel and the people who are upset that there's a secret tunnel, which is basically everyone else. Uh, here's a little video of it. I'll play it for you guys. Let's see if it'll let me. Uh... Yeah, that one got a lot of, uh, that one's uh, probably the most hilarious part of all of this. I mean, I mean, the jokes write themselves here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Literally coming out of a sewer grate here. Uh, okay, well, now my internet is being slow, but you guys get the idea. All right, that's great. Thanks, internet. That's awesome. All right, let's exit out of that. How do I even... There we go. Boom. All right, well, that's not working. But, yes, you get the idea. There, literally, you can see someone coming out of a sewer grate, uh, which I guess they, you know, figured out a way to connect a tunnel to there somehow. Uh, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, who was digging the tunnel? A group of young students had been secretly digging for months, according to reports. Jibata re re referred to the diggers as extremist students who seemed to have been studying at Lubavitch headquarters. The standoff on Monday, the new Jewish news site Call, Call Live poured the men, many of whom are reportedly from Israel, were wearing mesochist uh, yarmulks and uh, yarmulkes. I, I never understood how yarmulke ends up being spelled up like that, but whatever. And pins identifying them as followers of a messianic sect that believes a late Lubavitch leader, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, uh, also known as the Rebbe, is the Messiah. Also, they did believe that he did not die in 94, but lives on. Uh, the, a different group, uh, which does not believe the Reb to be the Messiah, controls 770 Eastern Parkway, the Reb's former home. So, alright, so you see the, what's going on here? We have this divide between these two groups. Uh, alright, let's get into, alright, uh, sorry, I got so many tabs up here, I'm trying to bring them up, I'm not very good at <laughs> doing this fluidly. Um, alright. Uh, what happened? Well, let's get into, so now you see that the idea is that some tunnels were dug. Uh, essentially the idea is some people heard some strange noises, started looking into the tunnels. So let's get into some of the, uh, official explanations. The explanations given to us initially, I think the first one that was pushed around for a while, and I don't know how official or what this was, or if this is just like kind of a rumor spread around, was that it was essentially they dug it for... COVID restrictions, which for one, I found that silly on its face from the beginning because I know one of the big stories of, you know, around the time of all the COVID stuff was that the Hasids, uh, the Hasidic sect of Judaism was probably one of the most headstrong about being like, no, we're not doing this shit. So it's kind of weird that then they would, you know, make tunnels for it. I mean, because uh, that seems to be like kind of like a Heidi thing instead of just, they seem more to be the type that would just do it blatantly. So, I mean, obviously that's not the, you know, that's not anything, you know, super strong type of logic, but I just found that weird on its face. But then I guess more stuff came out later that that didn't really line up, even with the timing of when they started building and stuff. So, yeah, let me, I'm about to bring up. Now, the, it later then became, is it kind of, I guess they're kind of sort of getting at in some of that article I was reading there, but the, what it then became is that they were trying to expand the 
expand the uh, synagogue, essentially, which I guess supposedly this then comes back to the whole Messianic movement that they have going on over there, which a lot of people seem to believe that the... Um, the, the the Schneerson, Rabbi Schneerson, their supposed Messiah, uh, who they believe is the Messiah, some of them was, I guess he had wished to expand it for a long time. I guess they're, the idea is that, you know, the this place, the 770 place got, you know, it had too much, too, it needed to expand because it was, you know, n not enough room for as many people as were coming, which honestly, that, that kind of, you know, makes sense. I, I would say that you know, on its face, that's that's an understandable explanation. Uh, aside from, I do find it kind of nuts because the extent to which this uh, this um, construction project, the size of it, it kind of find it kind of hard that the the synagogue leadership would be I don't know not in the know or let it go on this long. Uh, so I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get it. Just seems weird to me. Um. Uh, do, 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 yeah, uh, I, there was a thread I did want to bring up on it from this guy named Lewis Keene that I guess supposedly gone to it, but it might, it, it's being weird cause I'm not logged in on this thing, but, um, here's what they, I guess this guy had supposedly heard around and this, it seems to be match up with a lot of what I've heard, uh, elsewhere is that the, this was supposed to be around a four year project. Uh, there's contractors involved to, you know, ensure safety, uh, there was supposed to be a hollowed out space under the woman's section. Uh, and yeah, then and I guess the idea was this was supposed to connect two buildings to like one of the buildings to another building. I believe it did already connect it to like, I guess a defunct mitzvah or whatever the hell those things, I guess it's there where they kind of do like, I don't know, ritualistic showers. Um, I believe that's, I think they have it for the men and the women, but I believe this one was like a connected through a defunct women's one. Um, yeah. Now let's get into specifically now, cause when this first went off, everybody just immediately goes to what the hell is going on here? It just seems weird. And then immediately right off the bat, everyone goes, Oh my God, you guys are being anti-Semitic. And I don't know. I mean, I think from the re a lot of the research I've done and a lot of stuff, um, I don't think it's really out there to really, um, how do I put this? I don't think it's that out there to have suspicions or at least be concerned about what in the hell is going on there. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, like I said, the semi-official, you know, narrative has been the, the idea that they were going to uh, trying to expand and that seemed to be the one that stuck um, and seems to be what they're sticking with. And once again, I want to say that could be legit. Sounds semi legit. I mean, I do find it odd that this somehow could go under the nose of the, the leadership that supposedly opposed it uh, or that they just allowed it to happen anyways. Uh, but yeah, let's get into, let's just get into first off. What even is the 770 place? Well, this is uh, from my understanding, the world headquarters of the Chabad movement which the Chabad movement is, I believe, they're like the second largest Hasidic sect. And uh, let's, get, actually, let me bring up, um, first off, let's even just go into what the hell, uh, you know, these different things are. Uh, bo -bo -bo, what is, first off, I guess I'll just go ahead and tell you guys what the hell Hasidics are. Uh, once again, a little disclaimer here, I'm a retard. Uh, I This is all, this is just digging around on Google, Twitter and stuff, so... 
I could be getting a lot of this stuff wrong. I did try to do my best to, for like, especially when it comes to explanations of what these things are, I did try to, you know, lean on sources that seemed, you know, you know, like for some, for example, some of them I was looking at, literally looking at like ADL or Jewish museums and stuff, trying to get an idea of what the theology of some of these groups are. But it seems to me the Hasidics is a little bit more like a mystical. They, they're, they also are ones who take it way more seriously, uh, if that makes sense, when it comes to like the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? When it comes to, uh, uh, following the specific rules. They, they essentially are taking the Torah and all that stuff literally. Um, and now w- within that, then you get separate sects that then break off from that. And one of these is Chabad. Uh, and now, let me see, let me see if I can find, where did I put that earlier? Oh, let me actually, I'm going to share this real quick. Share a different screen. Stop screen. Share screen. Here we go. Let's bring this up. Now, this is just a quick little Google thing to kind of understand what the hell the Asids are, the Hasidics, the Siddim, I guess. Uh, they are, you know, they live in tightly knit communities known as courts. They are spiritually centered around a dynastic leader known as a Rebbe, who, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who combines political and religious authority, which I guess that is a common thing amongst these guys, uh, is that they do tend to... Uh, stick to themselves and kind of create their own separate little communities aside. I guess you could almost look at it kind of like a Chinatown or something like that, but even more so to the extent that they, uh, they handle most things in-house when it comes to whether it becomes crimes amongst members in the communities. They normally don't go to the local authorities of that kind of stuff. And they go to their Rebbe, who's their, their head guy. I guess you could almost call them like little mini popes or whatever you want to call them. Essentially, they treat these fellas as kind of like their political leaders, so they enforce that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so that is kind of a common through line with the Hasidics, is they kind of create their own little separate communities, or are more insulated from the outside world. Now, this is, I guess, part of where the, uh, the Chabads differ a little bit, is that the Chabads, here you go, they, they are more, um, they're more... They're less insular. They're more about outreach, reaching out to the rest of the world, uh, kind of spreading the world word of, word of Judaism. Uh, so, I mean, extrapolate that from what you will. Uh, here you go. Seven wins at Shabbat. This is just a Quora thing. I thought this was helpful. Um, the most controversial and hence fascinating aspect of Shabbat is the community's relationship to and beliefs about the latest Rebbe. Many Lubavitchers in Chabad believed or believe without grave repercussions that he is the Messiah, which is a radical, arguably heretical claim and thereby differentiates Chabad from nearly all and other current Judaisms. It's a form of ascetism, um, you know, we already talked about a little bit, a fundamentalist mode of Judaism that emphasized devotion, symbolism, and ritual separation and mystical teachings. So obviously differs from many Jewish movements, including Orthodox groups with similar norms and practices in its particular form also differs from many Hasidic groups. The differences are complex, but they, one might say they have an emphasis on systemic, systematic theology. Uh, I've seen it described elsewhere that they're kind of the Orthodox, the Hasidics are essentially considered a, a sect of Orthodox Judaism and then even within Orthodox Judaism, a lot of people consider them an ultra-Orthodox uh, form of Judaism. So, um, you know, they're very much taking this stuff super-duper seriously. Um, 
I guess to, to equate it to like Christianity, I guess this would be a lot of the, you know, people from like, I remember in like the nineties and stuff where the, it was still very much a lot of people running with the, the world's only 6,000 years old type deal. I guess kind of people along those lines, uh, although maybe that's not even the best example. Uh, but, but, but trying to see if there's any specific, the latest Reb has not been succeeded by another Reb, which seems to push the love of Vichers on a different trajectory than most other Hasidim. Yeah, I guess typically they keep, they get a new Reb. One is, uh, succeeded in one form or fashion, but the latest one is the one they thought was the Messiah. And I'm assuming that probably plays into part of the reason why no one really, uh, really, uh, no one really took that over. I'm sure that may play into it. Shabbat is extremely geared to outreach to other Jews. For instance, there are several thousand Shabbat centers on college campuses and cities around the world, including many that have their, have little Jewish communal presence. Many Jewish groups are not oriented to outreach and possibly none with Shabbat's commitment or success. Shabbat is an unusually large and well-staffed organization with tremendous resources. Nearly all Jewish organizations pale in comparison. Uh, he said, since it's core, it's fitting note that Shabbat has a gigantic presence on the web and it gets lots of internet traffic for people seeking answers to basic questions about Judaism. All right, yeah, that's uh, that's Shabbat. As I kind of point out too, the, I think I already said earlier, uh, this is the, my understanding, this was the world headquarters of Shabbat. This is a lot of major leaders go, go here to kind of visit, uh, I guess, you know, kind of, how do I put this? It's almost like, you know, how you, some places almost have like, religious major um you know uh kind of like uh what am i thinking like things like wailing wall whatever the place where the uh, what is it the like mecca stuff like that uh i mean i wouldn't say this is like something on that level but it's like kind of like a lower tier like if you're some large political figure or spiritual figure religious figure this may be one of the, this is probably on the you know top 10 top 15 or whatever places that you may go visit uh, is this place because this is kind of this is positioned as being the world headquarters because their their latest Rebbe this was I believe it was actually his home uh, so that uh, yeah that that kind of plays into that um, yeah so let's kind of get into maybe some of the darker theories and uh, kind of how this how this plays all right first off one of the things people started pointing out uh, for one you guys saw that uh, you saw that that the little bit of video I showed that glitched out um, due to, I guess, probably the internet. But uh, let me let me share screen real quick. This is Dom, which, you know, I actually was holding off on covering this because of this guy, Dom Lucra, Dom De Lucra, whatever the hell you want to call him. Because uh, he did his own, he was doing his own, I guess, supposedly research into this. Uh, so I was kind of holding off before I did this as part of why I did that live stream earlier this week as opposed to just going straight into this, was because I was kind of holding off to see what he covered, uh, but I was extremely disappointed in his coverage. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really know too much about the guy. I saw him pop up my timeline here and there. So, I mean, my with this dumb guy, uh, you know, kind of my experience of this is like, I'd always see shit where he'd be like, so-and-so, you've been chosen to be exposed, and he put out some post. Uh, for example, I think he did it with Hillary Clinton and the whole four Azzle drip thing, which if any of you guys don't know what that is, that's nightmare fuel, but you can go look at that on your own, your own if you want to. Um, that's kind of like deep, uh, deep conspiracy lore. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think he was like at one point doing that. But then I always noticed that I never seemed to see any sort of follow-up. It would just be like, you have been chosen to be exposed and it'd be some, you know, some old conspiracy theory that, 
a lot of us have already, kind of already heard of and may give some level of credence to. Like, for example, the frazzle drip. I have no idea if that's true or not, but I also am like, from my digging, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that's true. Uh, the more I dig into the stuff, the more I'm like, I think there are things like frazzle drip out there in the world, and it's evil. Uh, but... Either way, uh, th that's kind of what he does. Uh, he did sort of the same thing. It seemed he had a little bit more fall through with this Jew tunnel stuff. He went to, uh, I guess, to New York to kind of follow up on this. I uh, did a few videos. I mean, if anyone s does find something that he actually did, I don't know if maybe he has some other platform. He posts his stuff as actual exposés, but that's not the vibe I get. I don't ever see promos, anything. I know he put out a couple little trailers for something that then... I, I don't know, but they looked pretty bullshit. Like there was one that where he was going around in the tunnels, but it wasn't even these tunnels. He was literally going away around the subway tunnels, which is, I guess that's a good, you know, chance for me to kind of go into that. Cause it's a good point to bring up. Cause, uh, the tunnels by itself, just bringing up tunnels in general, especially in the context of New York, isn't really that crazy considering as literally there are sprawling tunnels basically underneath damn near a shitload of New York. Um, they, they have subway tunnels, maintenance tunnels. Uh, I mean, there are, and so many of them are abandoned. And I'm sure a lot of weird shit goes on in those tunnels. Uh, but the, <laughs> the point being is Dom was, I guess, going around those subway tunnels. So I don't know if maybe he's going to give some sort of something and some sort of future follow-up why that was significant. He was going in these subway tunnels and how and what way they somehow tie into these, uh, these synagogue tunnels. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they did somehow connect to it, uh, but it, I don't know. It doesn't seem like anything to me. If anything, it just looked kind of fucking foolish that he was digging around. He was looking around in other tunnels that had probably nothing to do with this. Um, I mean, I could have told you from the beginning that an on-the-ground investigation of this shit uh, at this point would probably turn up nothing because, I mean, as I kind of brought up, the they supposedly already sealed it up with cement, which even if they didn't, uh, the idea that they would let anyone in at this point if it wasn't filled up with cement, uh, if they were, did have some crazy, uh, evil stuff going on there, like, you'd think they'd have covered their tracks by now, like, that does, that doesn't make any sense to me, uh, but, I mean, hell, there were videos of him hanging out and being, chilling with the people from the synagogue, so, I don't know, I mean, that may just be kind of, I'm looking at an anecdotal example, I have no idea, but, uh, yeah, with Dom, that, that, that was kind of bullshit, I'm only bringing that up just because I brought this up, and I guess this picture, you know, it's him sharing from somebody else. So I know to some extent, uh, me bringing this up, I guess, sort of relies on his credibility, although not really. But either way, I guess that also explains why I kind of waited. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Please tell me, guys, if anything, Dom does actually uncover anything because I don't closely pay attention to his profile. But yeah, I was pretty disappointed. <laughs> what else did he do? He also did take a picture of what was a very common-looking basement-type thing in um, in New York, and then kind of was like, oh my god, I found another entrance, which then I guess people claimed, I don't know the truth to it, this wasn't even an entrance to there, to that synagogue, this was to another place, I don't know the, the level of truth, the truth to that, also it's just kind of like, this isn't a smoking gun, like if this place has a basement, like a shitload of places in New England do, that means nothing, but alright, yeah, either way, let's, I'm gonna bring, let's talk about this real quick, um, now, this right here. Now, you guys saw this guy hopping out of this uh, this little area. Now, you can see, if you look right here, you can see the grade. You can see the, the you know, whatever the hell this is. I don't know, an outlet or of some sort or, or something along those lines. Some sort of electrical thingamabobber. 
and you can see it looks very similar. You can even see the doorway right here. Looks very similar to this little setup right here. Uh, so it seems to be some internet sleuths seem to find out that, boom, on the other side of this, here's a Jewish children's museum. So I don't know. I mean, that could mean nothing. Uh, it's also just weird, but that's not where it ends. Um, let me see. Let's bring up this as well. This is a, here's another thing a lot of people brought up. The... All right, the, you know, in some of the videos, if that video had played earlier for us, this may have brought it up, but these were, these were mattresses that were being pulled out of the, the tunnels. Um, here is mattresses with what either looks like some sort of combination of shit, piss, and blood. Uh, weird. Uh, here's also a, uh, here's a high chair, and here's a little kid's bike. So, which were, these were, these were found in the tunnels. So weird uh doesn't look good but it also doesn't necessarily mean anything i mean they could just be someone who was working this could have just thrown trash in there knowing they were gonna throw it out later the mattresses is weird because it's like i don't know it would seem pretty inconvenient to bring that mattress down there but someone can go to pretty dark theories with this yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That looks like more than just someone wet the bed. I mean, I can tell you when I was a little kid, I wet the bed. And I don't remember my mattress ever looking like that. That looks more like I shit the bed or bled out my butthole and shit the bed. Uh, I don't know. Uh, weird. Uh, but yeah. Uh, nothing. Also, I guess a key point that I read in some places, this area where they're at with these mattresses, kids stuff, high chairs, was an area that was off limits to the women. So, I mean, it just seems weird. You would assume, like, children's stuff would probably be with women. But once again, this could be just construction people, stuff and shit. There also was a shitload of dirt and, I think, other stuff. So, I mean, it could just be kind of as they were doing construction. Construction workers throw shit out there. I know I worked construction when I was a kid in high school. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of times we'd have dumpsters there. And sometimes if I just had shit that needed to be thrown out, I would use those dumpsters. So I'm sure, you know, maybe, possibly, I don't know. Uh, definitely weird, something to look at, but it definitely, a little weird, just saying, you know, one of those things that kind of perks up your, uh, spider sense, so. Now let's get into, uh, this kind of, I guess, connects back into, uh, the ideas with the, cause we talked about the different religious sects, uh, uh, this one is, and this is weird that this kind of sort of may tie in in a sense. This goes into other messianic movements in the past within Judaism. Uh, and, and funny enough, this was a, someone sent me over the list. Uh, I don't remember what the context was. I don't know if it was a post I made or what of uh, one of those like archive things that have been taken off the internet. Uh, and it was the something like over a thousand uh, different um, expulsions of Jews uh, throughout history. And I was looking through those and I found, I was like, holy shit, so many of these are for ritual murder. And this is over millennia. So, you know, I know a lot of people go, oh, these are just people spreading lies and blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of like, well, I mean, are you really telling me that there was no truth to any of this? Uh, so I was kind of like asking the internet, like, Hey, does anyone dug into this? And this was one of the answers that I got is, I guess, um, 
this Sabbat, uh, the Sabbatan Frankists is what they're called, this sect of Judaism. Uh, they came. They, this is where a lot of people think some of that, what's called a lot of times blood libel, may have came from. The irony is, too, when you really dig into this, I read this whole article and a few other things, uh, is I believe the Sabbatan, or the Frankists, because Frank is, Frankism is actually a subsect of the Sabbateans, which uh, I believe, if I'm understanding this article correctly, Hasidics are also a subset of Sabbateans. So, I don't know, it gets confusing. Uh, I do want to, once again, I, I didn't really, I meant to caveat some stuff at the beginning, uh, but like I said, I'm a retard, but like, with this stuff, it's, you know, I feel like looking at another religion, looking in, uh, you know, kind of outside looking in, is very confusing. Like, so the more I dig into Judaism, the less I seem to know, uh, which, but to be fair, I feel like that's probably similar to just about any other major religion, looking in at any other major religion. Like, uh, I've told a lot of you guys, I grew up uh, Christian, I grew up uh, Baptist more specifically, and I know like even looking at some of the other sects of Christianity is gets confusing, but now especially if I'm looking at, you know, other ones, it gets confusing. But I'm sure someone from Islam, if they were looking at trying to understand Christianity, and they're also getting thrown things like Seventh-day Adventists, Mormons, Catholics, Baptists, you know, or just Protestants more generally, you know, all the different offshoots, it, it would probably just as much get confusing. And, you know, obviously the, the Baptists aren't really necessarily responsible for the crimes of the Mormons and vice versa. So it does get confusing, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out this, um, uh, the Frankists, which, uh, this is another one of the Messianic movements, uh, the, which is, you know, has a commonality with the, the Chabad, which as we pointed out, although there is a schism with Chabad, they're not all on, it doesn't seem like they're all on board with the same, the same ideas uh, so far as like the Messianic, whether their Schneerson guy was a Messiah or not. But this one right here, Frankism, let me see, boo, 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 let's see. Uh, but, but, but let me see, let's get right to the root of it for this one. And this one's straight up from Museum of the Jewish People. So, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, if anything, this is probably going to be more biased towards uh, Judaism. Uh, because they're, they're right at the beginning, if you kind of skim this already, they, I guess they excommunicated these guys in the ba way back when. Uh, I don't know if I finished my thought on the uh, blood libel. Um, you know, from reading this to completion, a lot of people think a lot of the blood libel stuff comes from this, this um, sect of Frankists. Uh, but then ironically later, I guess the Frankists then, uh, you know, accuse the other side, you know, the rest of Judaism of being the actual blood libelist. So I don't know, take that with you will. Uh, I mean, from what I've read on these guys, it seems like the Sabbateans may have been, it's, it just seems to be the most easiest explanation. Um, all right, reading through the works of Professor Gershom Skolem, the famous expert of Jewish mysticism, we learned that the Hasidim did not just appear uh, which, once again, the Chabads are a subsect of the Hasids, the Hasidim, but rather had a spiritual background of a former important large movement called the Sabbateans. Um, so it seems like, they say spiritual background, so I don't know if that would necessarily mean that you would consider the Hasidims a subsect of the Sabbateans or the, or the Sabbateans a subsect of the Hasidim. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, so, but, so here's a story of a special band called the Double-Edged Sword, the band, b -b 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 all right, yeah, who were accused of belonging to the Frankist cult, an extreme sect of the Sabbateans. 
The main concept in Sabbatean theology was relying on the concept that after Shabtai Zavi entered the Jewish arena, the Messianic era has started. In this new world, everything was turned upside down. The old law was canceled. All the do-not laws become do-laws, even strong prohibitions such as incest. The Sabbateans used to bless each other with this twisted verse. Blessed art thou, Lord, art thou, Lord who cancels and allows the prohibitions. Um, uh, yeah, so and a lot of people know um, who, follow, who are Christians, and I think probably the bulk of my audience is probably going to be Christian. One of the key points with Jesus, and there, there are multiple depending on your denomination, how you understand it. A lot of people think he abolished the old law and instituted a new law. Some people think he updated the law. A lot of the, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to understand it, but that's kind of the one of the key components of understanding like a Messiah coming is how this individual somehow interacts with the previous set of laws you know, that were laid down like the Old Testament, or I guess for the, uh, for the Judaism, I guess that'd be like the Torah, whatever. And in this understanding, in the Sabbatean theology, is that the once the uh, Messiah had entered the world when the Messianic era had started, essentially it flips the laws on its head, which is a pretty dark concept if you really think about it. Uh, I mean, anyone who, like the Ten Commandments are generally speaking pretty pretty solid. <laughs> I mean, I'm, a lot of people know I'm not religious anymore. I'm a, like, an agnostic atheist. I don't. I don't claim to know there is or isn't a God, but I also don't really necessarily believe in one. I mean, I'm like, if there was a God, I, you know, I wouldn't even really be all that surprised, I guess, if there's some sort of entity that created all this. I mean, hell, even the Big Bang, if, from my understanding, if I recall correctly, was originally a theory that was proposed by religious folks to kind of understand it. I mean, one would think that it would make sense with the Big Bang that it's like, well, this would be pretty easy to understand if someone just did this Big Bang, but whatever, beside the point. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, my point getting at is these Ten Commandments generally pretty solid. Like, don't steal, don't kill people, uh, you know, just kind of just generally pretty decent. If you live by the Ten Commandments, you know, you're probably a pretty solid dude. <laughs> if you're striving to follow those. Uh, but now here we go, and this, this with this whole guy, with this Messiah, they flipped it around. And now to make a long story short, uh, this Frankist guy, this uh, Jacob Frank, comes along later, uh, pretend, uh, essentially asserts himself to be the. Uh, actually, I'll go ahead and just read the story. Of the Frankist sects are with the founder and leader Jacob Frank, born in Podolia in 1726 to a wealthy family from the inner circle of the Sabbatean where he, when he was 12 years old, he joined his father on a business journey to Thessaloniki. It is assumed that he was introduced to Sabbatean circles in Thessaloniki and was deeply affected by this encounter. Upon his return to Poland in 1755, he started to develop a severe in megalomania, deeply convinced that he was the true successor of Shabtai Zavi, uh, which is the individual who, I guess, started the Messianic era, and so essentially to say he, you know, was the successor of this guy is essentially implying that he is the Messiah. Um, so he gained a following and, you know, uh, boo -boo -boo. And, you know here's, an, here's a good example of where this guy's coming from. 
Uh, how he addresses followers. I came not to elevate your spirits, but to humiliate you to the bottom of the abyss where you can get no lower and where no man can rise from his own forces, but only God can pull him with his mighty hand from the depth. By abyss, he meant particularly sexual rituals that included sacred orgies with a touch of incest. The sexual adventures reached the ears of senior rabbis of Poland after the Frankists held a rough sexual ceremony described by David Kahana in his book of darkness on the 26th day of the month of Savat in... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 1756. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's probably all that really is important there. They did get excommunicated later. Like I said, they did then accuse the other... I, be, I believe the understanding is... I forget what group, uh, essentially, to give them some sort of sanctuary. Uh, essentially required the Frankists to rat out uh, other groups of Judaism, which they did, even though it sounds like the Frankists were the ones doing that. But either way, you get the idea from some of the stuff they're saying here, what someone could extrapolate from what this uh, belief system would entail. Uh, and it reminds me very much a lot of my uh, digging into figures like Alistair Crowley or just, you know, some sects of like Satanism and stuff in general, where the idea is to demean yourself to the greatest degree possible and do the most reprehensible things. I know here it essentially makes it sound like, oh, they were just doing orgies and, you know, just incest stuff, which, I mean, if the idea is to flip the law on its head, um, why would that be the only thing you did? And that's kind of was my, uh, I know a lot of people say the same thing with Crowley because a lot of, uh, you know, they kind of skirt around from some of the possibilities of there being like child molestation or murder and stuff when it comes to uh, him. But uh, yeah, with with uh, the, with I mean, same thing with the Frankists as I would say with the, with the, the, the Crowleyites, I forget what his like sect was. But yeah, I mean, like, why would you stop there? If your idea is to do the most reprehensible things you possibly could, uh, it makes little sense to me why you would stop at just, I don't know, fucking. Like, there are so many worse things to do in the world. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, things like blood libel, like, you know, ritual murder, stuff along those lines. That, I mean... I mean, especially when you look at Crowley, some of the weird stuff, and we'll we'll get into some of that in a bit, especially in this next little section we're going to get to when it gets darker. Um, but yeah, I, why would you stop there? I mean, that seems to be the extent to where they really want to uh, bring it. But yeah, um, all right, let's let's get into. So once again, I want to point out that was another messianic movement. I'm not at all claiming that the Chabad uh, Messiah had a similar theology or whatever. But I also don't know. I mean, I, I tried to try to find some of the theology a little bit of what he was professing, the Messianic movement. But, I mean, it sounds like they either was implying that the Hasids are a subsect of the Sabbateans or the Sabbateans were a subsect of the Hasids. And if, if, the, if, if it's the one where the Hasids are a subsect of Sabbateans, it sounds like part of that creed is once the Messianic era has started that that would do the same thing to law where you kind of flip it on its head. So if there is a group that think that the Messianic era has started, I don't know. I mean, we could do some stuff from there. I'm not sure. I mean, 
this gets too deep in the weeds of the theology for really me really to be a no for sure. But either way, there always it seems to be when it comes to Christianity, Judaism, uh, whatever. Whenever there like these messianic movements within this sect of religion, uh, typically the Messiah entails some sort of interplay with the law. So I mean, it could be adding to it, updating it. Uh, whatever, or it could be flipping on its head. I'm unsure. I, I don't know. So, I mean, maybe someone could dig in this more. I'd like to get this uh, guy uh, I found on, on Twitter, Robert Robert Sepper. Uh, I think he wrote a book on the blood libel stuff. So I'm, I'm assuming he probably could, you know, help me dig into that some more if I dig it. So I'd like to get him on the show sometime or just dig into that, that, era, that area a little bit more. But either way, those are kind of the things I was picking up on found it weird that there there haven't been a lot of messianic movements within Judaism uh, that that's these two are, are two of like a handful uh, I actually don't think I even saw any other ones so those might be the only two so I don't know uh, weird uh, just saying uh, that the other one had a the other messianic movement was pretty fucking dark and that seems to be where a lot of the lore of blood libel seems to come from. That or the Sabbateans were just the Patsies and it's the flip side. And uh, there's lots of other Orthodox sects of Judaism. They were actually the ones doing the blood libel. And they just off, uh, off put the responsibility in the Sabbateans. I have no idea. Uh, I would, you know, like I said before, I would lean towards probably the Sabbateans just because that's the easiest explanation. Seems to be the most well-established. But I also haven't done enough digging to really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I just know towards the end they accused the other ones of blood libel, uh, and then all the rest of Judaism was accusing them of it. So I don't fucking know. Uh, I've never read the Talmud or any of that shit. So just saying, these are things we're pointing out. But let's get into this one. Uh, now we can point at modern day examples why we should be concerned uh, about what's going on here. Um, now here is an article from Vice, and I don't know if this is a Vice thing. Or what the deal is, but I had trouble, you know, sharing this link anywhere. Uh, oh, now it's letting me on desktop. That's weird. It wouldn't let me do it on phone. So, I, I, okay, I thought maybe this was somehow like shadow banned or deboosted or something. But yes, uh, here we go. Uh, and this isn't the only example, and this will even get into it, um, is that this isn't the first time, especially within Hasidic movements, where there this seems to be an issue. And... And once again, I'm not necessarily even trying to make this like specifically like an anti-Semite thing. I mean, anyone who's you know been alive on this earth for a substantial amount of time is aware of all the accusations, and it's actually more than accusations. It just straight up has happened in Catholicism, where similar things have happened, and other you know different religions. This is pretty common. Whenever you get an individual, um, you know, at a high up level within a religion. Uh, or especially religions that uh, kind of set themselves off in their own little areas, it, it seems to be a, a commonality where a lot of this weird shit seems to happen. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, but y my point being is this isn't an aberration. And once again, this is the world, this Chabad thing is the world headquarters. Um, but, all right. Uh, Rabbi Nukem Roseberg, uh, who is 63 with a long gray beard, recently sat down with me to explain what he described as a child rape assembly line among sects of fundamentalist Jews. Like I said, this is the only example. There have been multiple major examples uh, within the, especially within Orthodox or Hasidic movements, where this has been a common thing that has happened. Now, this guy, uh, to be fair, this is from the Satmar sect, which I believe, if I recall correctly from when I was looking into it, it was the largest sect, but there are ones that are more insulated, more key to themselves. 
whereas the Chabad are more about outreach. Although if I had to suspect, like I know from my reading about the Chabad, there was a lot about, uh, you know, how they did set up in their synagogues, like areas where, you know, the non-inundated would kind of hang out and kind of be more friendly towards them. So I would assume they, it's kind of like almost a, a, a combo where they do somewhat are insulated, keep to themselves, but they also do have an outreach uh, part, part of this. So, you know, I don't know, maybe it's kind of like a Scientology thing where, you know, you get to, you know, level 300 clear or whatever the hell, and now you get to know about Lord Xenu. I have no idea. Um, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Either way, uh, we know that this, or I guess not know, these could all be liars for all I fucking know. But either way, uh, this isn't uh, something without merit that there could be more going on. Rabbi Nukum, who did do, yep, recently sat me down, he said, uh, he described as a child rape assembly line among sects of fundamentalist Jews. He cleared his throat. I'm going to be graphic. A member of Brooklyn, Brooklyn Satmar Hasidim, fundamentalist branch of Orthodox Judaism, Nukum designs and repairs mikvahs in compliance with Torah law. The mikvah is a ritual Jewish bathhouse used for purification, which once again... I mentioned it earlier, and I don't think I—I I mean, I don't think I ever showed any of the articles, but I believe that was either they were trying to connect to mikvah or already did. But there definitely was a component of the mikvah in the um, in the Chabad thing, thing. I believe the one that they were either connecting to or was already connected to, or went through, or whatever, was a defunct mikvah. So I don't know. You can take that as to in your head dispute it and be like, well, that mikvah doesn't—they're not even using anymore. Or that could you know go the other way and go, well, this is a secretive mikvah. So I don't know. Uh, either way, point being is there, there is a commonality there with the mikvah. Um, uh, but, but he is a okay. I guess I, I was getting a little bit ahead of myself, but you'll you'll get what I'm getting at. Uh, he designs, repairs mikvahs in compliance with Torah law. The mikvah is a ritual Jewish bathhouse used for purification. Devout Jews are required to cleanse themselves in the mikvah on a variety of occasions. Women must visit following menstruation, and men have to make an appearance before the high holidays such as Rosh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Many of the devout also purify themselves before and after the act of sex and before the Sabbath. Holy shit, that would, I didn't catch that sentence. That would be tiring to have to go to the mikvah after, after you banged every time. Uh, I feel like that would really put a hamper on your sex life. Um, on a visit to Jerusalem in 2005, Rabbi Rosenberg entered into a mikvah in one of the holiest neighborhoods in the city, Maya Sharim. Uh, I opened a door that entered into a shavitz, he told me. Vapors everywhere, I can barely see. My eyes adjust, and I see an old man, my age, long white beard, a holy-looking man sitting in the vapors. On his lap, facing away from him, is a boy, maybe seven years old, and the old man is having anal sex with this boy. Uh, Rab the Rosenberg paused, got himself went on. This boy was bearing the man like an animal, like a pig. And the boy was saying nothing, but on his face, fear. The old man looked at me without any fear, as if this was common practice. He didn't stop. I was so angry. I confronted him. He removed the boy from his penis, and I took the boy aside. I told this man to sin before God, uh, Mishkavuch, or whatever the hell. What are you doing to this boy's soul? You're destroying this boy. He had a sponge and a stick to clean his back, and he hit me across the face with it. How dare you interrupt me, he said. I had heard of these things for a long time, but now I had seen. The child sex abuse crisis in ultra-Orthodox Judaism, like that in the Catholic Church, has produced its share of shocking headlines in recent years. In New York and the prominent Orthodox communities of Israel and London, allegations of child molestation and rape have been rampant. 
The alleged abusers are school teachers, rabbis, fathers, uncles, figures of male authority. The victims, like those of Catholic priests, are mostly boys. Rabbi Rosenberg believes around half of young males in Brooklyn's Hasidic community, the largest in the United States and one of the largest in the world, once again, Brooklyn, the Hasidic community, this is exactly where we're talking about. Actually, I don't know about that. I don't know if Brooklyn and Crown Heights are the same thing. I may be wrong there. I'm not unsure. But either way, general same area, both New York, uh, the largest in the United States and one of the largest in the world, have been victims of sexual assault perpetrated by their elders. Uh, ben Hirsch, director of Survivors for Justice, a, Brooke, a Brooklyn organization that advocates, advocates for orthodox sex abuse victims, thinks the real number is higher. From anecdotal evidence, we're looking at over 50%. It has almost become a rite of passage. Uh, Ultra-Orthodox Jews who speak out about these abuses are ruined and condemned to exile by their own community. Dr. Amy Neustein, a fundamental Orthodox Jewish sociologist and editor of Tempest in the Temple, Jewish Communities and Child Sex Candles, told me the story of a series of Hasidic mothers in Brooklyn she got to know who complained that their children were... In these cases, the accused men very quickly and effectively engage the rabbis, the orthodox politicians, and powerful orthodox rabbis who donate handsomely to political clubs. The goal, she told me, is to excise the mother from the child's life. Rabbinical courts cast the mother aside, and the effects are permanent. The mother is amputated. One woman befriended by Dr. Neustein, a music student at a college outside New York, lost contact with all six of her children, including an infant she, an infant she was breastfeeding at the time of their separation. Uh, let me see if there's anything else worthy of bringing up. Um, I mean, this guy, I mean, I'll skip a little bit to the end. This uh, Rabbi Rosenberg, uh, who sounds to me like a fucking hero, uh, he actually ended up getting a bleach attack in his face later for this stuff and has kind of been ousted among these. Um, today, he's a lone whistleblower among the Satmar. For this, he's reviled, slandered, hated, feared. He receives death uh, threats on a regular basis. Um, in Yiddish and Hebrew newspapers, advertisements taken out by the self-described great rabbis and rabbinical judges of the city of New York have denounced him as a stumbling block for the House of Israel. A public rebuker and a preacher of ethics who persists in his rebelliousness and whose voice has been heard among many Jewish families, especially young people and their innocence, drawn to listen as poisonous and, uh, to his poisonous and revolting speeches. Leaflets distributed in Williamsburg and Borough Park, the centers of ultra-Orthodoxy, in uh, in Brooklyn, display his bearded face over the body of a writhing snake. Corrupt informer reads one of the leaflets, followed by the declaration that Rabbi Rosenberg's name should rot in hell forever. They should cut him off from all four corners of the earth. When he wants to bathe in a mikvah in Brooklyn to purify himself, none will have him. When he wants to go to synagogue, none will have him. He's finished in the community, butchered, said a fellow rabbi who would only talk him honestly. No one will look at him, and those who will talk to him, they can't let it be known. The pressure in our community, it's incredible. So I think this really speaks to the idea of what happens with these people who speak out, uh, assuming there is truth to it. I mean, on the flip side, let's say this guy's a liar, um, which... I think uh, in this thing, I'll probably point out some other other examples of similar things. But let's say he is a liar. I guess that makes sense that they would have act in this way. But I mean, if either way, I mean, this is this shows uh, how well this group organizes and can shut people out. Um, let me see what else. Do, 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 do. I did think it was kind of interesting that they did bring up that it, they highly incentivize within these orthodox communities for these people to have a ton of children 
Uh, and then essentially the, the effects of that, especially given these guys' lifestyle, having, you know, in the, in the realm of, you know, almost double digit, if not even more kids, and then it puts them in essentially areas of poverty, and then you have these people of power who essentially rule over them. If you're in a position of poverty, kind of makes you way more pliable for what people want you to do, which completely makes sense. You're, you're in a position where you're more concerned about, you know, getting by and not so much deeper thinking about what's going on in a larger community. And, you know, you have this entity that you've been told that you should trust in a religious sense, and they're the ones who are, you know, kind of, you know, who you go to for, you know, counsel or whatever. Uh, when the father... Uh, oh, here's here's a little follow-up on the, the father. When the father of the seven-year-old boy who Rabbi Rosenberg rescued from the Jer Jerusalem bathhouse showed up to collect his son, he couldn't believe his son had been raped. Trembling, terrified, he whisked his son away to get medical help, but he was still too scared to raise a formal complaint. According to Ben and survival, Survivors for Justice, the greatest sin is not the abuse, but talking about the abuse. Kids and parents who step forward to complain are crushed. Um, when, as for Rosenberg, when he voiced his concerns to the rabbinate in Israel, he was brought up on charges by the Mishmir's Hatznuts, uh, the Art Conservative Orthodox Modity Squad, I guess is what, what they're kind of calling him here, which regulates often through threats of violence, proper, mod, uh, proper moral, con, moral conduct, and dress in the relations between men and women. Uh, they call him a sort of Jewish Taliban. According to Rabbi Rosenberg, the rapist he caught in the act was a member of this group, uh, which charged him with the unconscionable offense of having previously been seen walking down a street in Jerusalem with a married woman. But it's okay to molest children, he adds. So it looks like, I don't know if there was truth to this or not, uh, this looks like, you know, when this Rosenberg guy accused this other fella of this, uh, then they just counter-accused him uh, of walking down the street with a woman, a married woman, which, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that's against the rules. But either way, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, this isn't a problem, but a few of aberrant cases are an old-fashioned community reluctant to talk to police about sexual matters, said Michael Lesher, a practicing Jew who has investigated orthodox sex abuse and represented abuse victims. This is about a political economy that, uh... Oh, shit. No, I didn't mean to read that part. Uh, I'm trying to find... Now, Michael, who is completing a book on the topic, noted the infamous Rabbi Elior Chen, convicted in 2010 and was arguably Israel's worst case of serial child abuse, is still defended in public statements by leading ultra-Orthodox rabbis. Among other legal and moral crimes, the rabbi forces victims to eat feces, claiming this cruelty was necessary to purify the children he abused. Now, this is going to sound bizarre, but this little bit to eat feces. Now that is weird. Now, I mean, obviously it's weird, but my point of getting at is, I mean, for those who've been following along on my channel, you may have uh, you may have caught some of the stuff already. Um, this is common within. I don't think I've done a cr anything specifically Crowley related, but that that was a common thing with Alistair Crowley. Once again, the kind of the you know, philosophy was they were trying to demean themselves, uh, you know, essentially become the antithesis to a god, essentially, and the ultra-moral, whatever, and doing the exact opposite. And part of this demeaning thing is they would do stuff like this where they would eat poop, literally. Um, and, you know, this is also, it seems to be semi-common among 
some theoretical MK Ultra situations too, where you see things along these lines. Uh, also similar, I know with the Finders Cult uh, or Founders Cult, Finders Finders Cult. Uh, Finders or Founders? I can't remember right now. Whatever. Either way, I did a whole series on them on my channel. And uh, I don't remember which, which one, but particularly uh, which, you know, I did three episodes. I don't remember which episode we talked about that in. But either way, that was one of the things they were doing down, down there, in the, or not necessarily doing. I guess we don't have any proof that they were actually eating feces. But I believe they were, were literally jars with, like, piss and shit and stuff in them. So, which, I mean, for those who have followed along with things like MKUltra, a big part of that is... Uh, essentially trying to, you know, create like a, was it dissociative identity disorder, uh, trying, trying to essentially create separate personalities within a, the same psyche. And part of a way to do that is to essentially demean someone or, um, uh, traumatize someone to such an extent, uh, to where they're essentially their mind fractures. And this, things like this, uh, are, you know, stuff like that, that would, uh, would do that. So yeah, I, I just found that interesting. The, the feces thing, uh, cause it's similar among Crowley, a lot of MK ultra stuff, the finders cult, founders cult, whatever. I don't know why I can't remember which one it is right now. Um, but yeah, uh, trying to think. And yeah, the, the average family size among the Williamsburg acetum is nine. Uh, and some families include more than 15 children. So yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I was getting at with the cycle of poverty here. There's also separation of the sexes. I mean, as we kind of spoke to a little bit is how they kind of separate. They seem to prioritize the men and, and don't really pay attention to the women at all, which I mean, that's fairly common somewhat in religious groups. But I mean, especially in a situation like this, where it seems to be there may be issues with, you know, child molest, molest, molestation within this group. Uh, and then they have this kind of um, Arizona ins runner. institutionalized system uh, with which they separate the children from the mothers. That's pretty, that's pretty dark, uh, you know, because you would think the mothers would, generally speaking, be the first line defense for their children. Uh, I mean, fathers should be as well, but I mean, it seems to be, you know, the calls coming from inside the house in a lot of situations here, uh, whether it be the, the, the literal fathers or the rabbis or whatever. Um, and then also on top of that, a lot of these communities, I think this is probably where the Chabad differs a little bit, because uh, in this group they talk about, or within the Satmar Hasids, uh, there's, there, there's limited general education, a lot of them are only to the third grade, no sexual education, no secular newspapers, no internet access, um, you know, so it's, I guess, almost kind of like a somewhat similar to like a... Um, What's what's who am I looking at? Like the Amish or something along those lines? Uh, I mean, not entirely to that extent. It doesn't sound like, but similar. So you know, these are people in poverty, uh, very much segmented from the rest of the population. Uh, so this group that's going to be easily manipulated. Uh, I don't think there's anything worth bringing up. Um, boo, 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 boo. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably. I mean, there are other few other examples I think in here of. Uh, more situations, but yeah, I would suggest people go check that out. Uh, dark stuff, but either way, this isn't without precedent that people would see suspicious when stuff, you know, we see, you know, certain indicators that imply this could be the case. Doesn't mean it is the case, but possibility. Um, all right. Uh, what was it? All right, let's get into, and as, as I kind of, you know, 
alluded to there, there were kind of some uh, you know interplay between uh, some stuff I've talked about before. Uh, actually, let's bring this up, and you'll kind of get the idea. This kind of ties into tunnels. Uh, oh, shit the fuck? Oh, there it is. Uh, window. Uh, one second. Give me a minute here. What the hell? Uh, uh, what the fuck? There we go. What is going on here? One second. Give me a minute, guys. This thing's being retarded. Uh, window. There we go. Share. All right. Bring this up. This old Ted Gunderson. Um, yeah. He talked about tunnels back in the, uh, what was it, late 80s, early 90s? Something along those lines. Maybe mid 90s. All right. Oh, all right. Uh, a lot of people, I know the common theme, I think, with the, that's the, speaking on the McMartin preschool stuff, obviously. I guess I say obviously, but a lot of people may not know, but I think I mentioned a little bit earlier in here, too. But yeah, the McMartin preschool thing was uh, some, I believe this was in, um, I want to say it was on a military base, I believe. And uh, yeah, there were some ridiculous amount of children who made claims. Um, and don't get me wrong, like he said, these were like three, four, or five year old kids. Uh, so the, I mean, the kind of information you gain from them is not going to be like probably the best information, but either way, they were making claims that were people were doing stuff like that. Um, and this got, um, this got kind of swept under the rug with satanic panic stuff. It also looks like there may have been some sort of cover up from my recollection of this. I think at some point, maybe I'll probably, uh, do like a, an episode or maybe multiple on the McMartin stuff. But, uh, one of the key points was that there were tunnels below the preschool, which that got thrown out later, I believe, I don't remember what specific report came out at the time, but there came out a report, there were a lot of reports about how there were tunnels underneath, and then later it came out, oh, no, I guess there weren't, but then lo and behold, I believe it was something in the realm of like a decade later, somewhere in the 2000s, uh, people looking into the Finders cult, or Founders, once again, I can't remember which one it is, uh, I believe it's Finders, but um, they, um, when they were, I, there was some sort of FBI doc uh, dump on that related to those, and it, within that doc, uh, this dropped the preliminary report for that. Um, let me get this up. This is, I hope you guys can see. It. I mean, there's a lot going on here. Maybe you can't see it. You probably have to have it a big screen. Here's a preliminary report that came out around that time. Um, oh, well, there you go. I can zoom in for you guys. Hell yeah. Hell, I got Toad B. I learned how to zoom. Um, here's a preliminary report, and this is what came out, uh, later, much later, after this story had kind of all lost all its steam, uh, that there was a 45-foot tunnel, 
Uh, nine foot wide, subterranean entrance found at her west wall. The dog room is what it's called. Um, uh, trying to see if there's anything specific that really matters. There's, there's more specifics within here about it. Um, but, but, let me see. Nine foot wide chamber was found along the tunnel under her classroom. Um, the tunnels looks like it was hand dug. Uh, this children described entrance and exiting tunnel and triplex yard exactly where tunnel and exit were found. Um, let me see. Um, a small white plastic plate with three pentagram hand drawn on top of light green paint was found by the archaeologist in the stratified dirt in the play yard. Uh, per historical archaeologist, pentagrams were hand-drawn by adult and not, not part of the manufacturer's design. Many other artifacts found, whose analysis will be released upon completion. Nor, no doorknobs were on class 3 door, only a deadbolt lock. Each classroom uh, had on and off light switch labeled fire alarm. system did not connect the fire station, but was used as an alert within the school. Uh, more than 2,000 artifacts were found under the school floor and including over a hundred animal bones. Yeah. So this, this is stuff that didn't come out of the time came out later. Uh, very concerning. What the hell is going on there? Uh, we still don't entirely know, but it doesn't look good. And this is one of those things that's just kind of set on the rug. Now, I believe there were multiple people who went to court for this, uh, at the time, uh, I believe three people from my recollection, two of which had a hung jury, one of which I believe was acquitted. Um, so nothing happened that, uh, a key point of this too, is this is where the false memory syndrome foundation came into play, which is this group that, uh, ironically was started because, uh, it was a group that, um, was started because I think the founder's child accused the father of, you know, child molestation many years later, you know, decades later, like I guess essentially repressed memories came out and they disputed it as false memory syndrome. Uh, but the, the ironic, the irony here is, well, it's not irony. It's not really ironic, but one of the key points, I think, you know, this might make a lot of people think it's suspect. There were multiple MK ultra doctors on the false memory syndrome thing. It's also been used in a number of, uh, suspect cases. I want to say JFK, uh, maybe it was the RFK thing too. Uh, I believe Oklahoma city, obviously this, the, uh, McMartin Preschool. By the way, I don't know if I specified earlier with the feces thing. I may have misspoke and said that was the McMartin, but that was the finder's cult that had the, the feces thing. I mean, would, uh, would I be surprised if there was that going on with this McMartin stuff? No, that seems to be weirdly an odd common through line with a lot of this, you know, dark stuff. Uh, but point being is, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> tunnels, you know, so, and once again, I'm not at all, I'm not necessarily saying anything happened, you know, super sinister at this Chabad uh, place. But, uh, I mean, I'm just pointing out that there are a lot of, at the very least, people's ears should have pricked up, If especially if they've dug down these rabbit holes. There is a lot of weird stuff going on, and I kind of already laid down some of the connections in, you know, possible theology when it comes to a lot of the satanic stuff, uh, the Sabbatean Frankists. I mean, there may be some sort of loose uh, connection between the Sabbateans and the Hasidics to some extent. Uh, once again, I'm not entirely sure by the wording if the Sabbateans were a subsect of the Seeds or if the Seeds were a subsect of the Sabbateans. Obviously, the Seeds are a subsect of the Sabbateans. That makes me a little bit concerned that now they're in this era of thinking their Messiah has come. 
or they're in the messianic era or whatever. Um, but yeah. Um, all right, let's bring up one more thing. And I think this will be it. Um, and this kind of is this loose web of connections that I've kind of already made already. Uh, you know, here's Ghislaine Maxwell. And I'll, I'll go ahead and explain the, the loose connections. I'm, you know, another loose connection before we read this. Um, and we talked about this in part three of my Finders Cult series. Um, the, uh, how do I explain this? With the, um, the Finders Cult, the, um, the, essentially the delivery, you know, the air delivery service, you know, essentially, I believe it was planes or whatever, I forget the specifics of it, was owned by the Marion guy's son, uh, who's the, you know, the head guy, the Finders Cult. Uh, and then, uh, you know, much later, this gets taken over by the Wexler Group, I believe is what they're called, which was pretty much like essentially the main financiers of Epstein. And, you know, essentially this would be a, you know, a company that could easily be used for transporting goods. And what those goods may be, you know, that's kind of being heavily implied, possibly. So there's your kind of like loose connection between, you know, uh, the finders cult and this, and then now we're going to kind of sort of, I mean, this is extremely weak connection, but I do think it's worth bringing up. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell received special prison benefits via organization linked to Chabad Lubavitch headquarters. Last summer was reported that Ghislaine Maxwell was taking advantage of special treatment reserved for Jewish prisoners while incarcerated in federal prison. This is from this chick, Liz Crocken. Uh, she's, let's check out some of her stuff for her. Seems all right, I guess. Uh, the Sun reported that a Jewish organization called Reaching Out that advocates for prisoners' rights reached out to Maxwell and said that they were prepared to offer her assistance. Reaching Out, which is based in New York, are followers of the Lubavitch Reb. According to their site, the group's mission is to help Jewish uh, prisoners cope with the fears and anxieties prior to going to jail and the obstacles and hurdles while in prison. A spokesperson from Reaching Out told The Sun, Maxwell is in touch with our organization. We have and will continue to address her needs. She gets kosher food, which is costlier, access to a rabbi, and is excused from work for 25 hours from sundown on Fridays to observe the Sabbath. She can also take a break from prison chores on Jewish holidays. She's also eligible for the associated wine or grape juice and breaking of bread. One of the reaching out team members listed on their website is Rabbi Yehuda Spritzer. Spritzer studied the Chabad Lubavitch headquarters 770 Eastern Parkway where the hidden tunnels were discovered last night. On December 10th, 2019, the Chabad Lubavitch and the Clinton Foundation websites announced the Atlanta area Chabad rabbis were selected to participate in a Clinton Foundation project for a nine-session opioid awareness and prevention seminar for interfaith leaders. This announcement came just a few months after Jeffrey Epstein was arrested and then, all, and then allegedly committed suicide in 2019. Both Epstein and Maxwell have claimed they helped launch the Clinton Foundation. But yeah, there, there's that. Uh, and also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the connection between the Epsteins and Mossad, or at least a possible one. I'm not going to say that's assert that is the case, but that is a frequent thing floated around, which is just some sort of blackmail honeypot from Israel. So, I mean, we're seeing a spider web of connections. Now, does that mean that they these people were transporting children around and you know doing dark stuff praising Moloch whatever it was in their dark tunnels i have no idea um my point being is the instantaneous like you know 
almost, uh, you know, cries of anti-Semitism or, or how dare you, I believe are unfounded. There's more than enough reason to look at this with raised eyebrows and go, what the fuck is going on here? And honestly, uh, you know, I mentioned this Dom guy earlier, um, this shit like that, assuming he doesn't actually follow up and do anything worth a damn, it's shit like that, that makes these sort of things that, you know, could actually possibly be something darker going on, look foolish. So, like, for example, like I mentioned with the, uh, uh, was it Frazzle Drip thing earlier? Like, when he comes out and does shit like, oh, you will be exposed, and then nothing comes out, or maybe some very weak shit, or basically nothing at all. Yeah, it makes these things look more, looks, makes them look foolish, which is already an issue that the, you know, conspiracy community, or whatever you want to call it, has with all these stuff, where people go, oh my god, you're ridiculous, you think that these, there are child molestation groups that do this, and blah, 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 it's like, well, for one, now we have obviously the precedent of Epstein, but now when you get into darker stuff like Frazzle Drip or Finder's Cult or uh, any of these, you know, different things that, you know, may or may not be going on in the background, uh, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, it sounds crazy that people, that we would believe this is a possibility, these, some of these dark things are going on in the background, but I think the more you really start doing honest research and start peeking beyond the veil of what the hell is going on uh, with these elites, it really makes you start to wonder what the fuck is going on, and it's not that crazy to have questions when we see shit like this. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, there is some element with this story where I'm like, haha, tunnels, Jews, that's funny, and it's like a third rail topic, and that's why I want to rail on it, but... I mean, also in the same breath, it's like part of why I want to rail on it is because it is simultaneously a third rail topic, which I find semi-humorous, and then also something where there is, at the very least, even if there's nothing sinister going on, there are elements that should make you raise your eyebrows, and it also allows, uh, gives us an opportunity to kind of use this as a stepping stone to talk about other sinister things going on. I mean, in the same breath, I think we should be somewhat uh smart in how we approach these things and don't immediately go yes they are definitely fucking kids and don't get me wrong i've been a little hyperbolic about this uh before but yeah i mean i see so many elements in the story that makes me perk up and go what the hell and i don't think that i'm crazy for it maybe i am maybe this came off as super schizo i mean i had like 20 tabs 20 different things i was connecting together but i think a lot of this stuff did connect together uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that stuff. This will not be on uh, YouTube, for as I said before, for obvious reasons. So, you know, definitely please, you know, support this over on alternate uh, things. You know, if you have a Rumble account or whatever, please go give me a follow over there. Help me build that up because uh, it is still somewhat pain in the ass when I don't have to go where I don't go on YouTube because uh, it is somewhat Main Street. But luckily, I'm getting more and more to a point where it's less of a big deal. So like I said, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at TowerGangJose. If you want to support my work, patreon.com is in the way Jose 2020. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, um, with, uh, like I said, I have a new sponsor coming up that's going to have to start having like a monthly giveaway type thing for some coffee. So highly suggest getting, getting in on that, you know, soon getting started on that before the giveaway gets started. That's for the $5 level or higher. Or if you just want to support my work in general, like I said, the lowest two, if you just want to get early episodes, any little bit helps. I'm trying to get to a point where I can really start doing more. Uh, the more you know, I'm able to get from this, the more I'm able to dial back, you know, cause it's like quote unquote real jobs in my real life. 
because at the end of the day, my priority is my family and providing for them. But I would like to get to a point where, you know, part of what provides for my family is doing shit that I like, like this. And, you know, I like to do in the future stuff like, you know, helping manifest, whether that's doing it myself or helping others, like documentaries on like Geeky or trying to do or whatever. I mean, I'd love to do stuff like that in the future. Uh, speaking of which, with the Geeky thing, as I mentioned, big stuff coming here soon. It looks like middle of the month uh, coming up, you know, you know, middle of February. There should be something real big coming up. I've already mentioned it a few times. I still am hesitant to mention specifics. Because I'm still, uh, I still don't think one of the individuals that's coming with us, I don't think it's 100% confirmed uh, that that date will work for them. But it's looking more and more like it is happening. And it's going to be huge. So I appreciate all you guys. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it wasn't too schizo. And with that, I'm out.